Um, so as we've been considering uh, avoiding the drift over the last few weeks, it's made me reflect on, on some of my priorities and, uh, and the kinds of things that I truly value. I wonder if uh, sometimes the drift happens because we lose sight of the things of true value. Those things that we've tasted in the gospel, but instead we get distracted by the things around us. Those things that come up and in the moment seem immediately more valuable or important to my instincts right now. It can feel like a kind of a clash of two kingdoms, the earthly kingdom and the heavenly, um, and their competing values. When I think of uh, drift, one thing that comes to my mind is prayer. Um, do, you, do you ever find your thoughts might tend to drift while you're praying? Um, maybe you drift right off to sleep, <laughs> if you're like me. Uh, that can happen. Um, often we drift away from prayer altogether. I've had a busy week. Things got away from me. I didn't really get a chance to spend much time in prayer. We lose sight of the value of prayer. Maybe prayer is something that you find really difficult and overwhelming. Maybe you haven't really given it much thought before. In this passage that we're looking at uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus shows his disciples how to pray. This is a really famous prayer, isn't it? Lots of people have memorized it, but maybe we don't actually pray it that often. Um, it's worth looking at, um, obviously. <laughs> um, it's from the Gospel of Matthew. Something that I've kind of noticed is interesting about the Gospel of Matthew, there tends to be a little bit of a, I've picked up anyway, it seems, maybe you have a look, an emphasis on value systems. There's a lot of things about rewards and treasures and, and that kind of stuff. Um, debts, things to be paid, that sort of stuff. Um, perhaps some people, the church tradition thinks that the tax collector, uh, Levi, might have been the one who wrote Matthew as Matthew. Um, and so we, we think about these different value systems. I wonder if you've ever noticed in, in movies, um, you know, like when there's a plane going down or something like that. I just recently have noticed uh, when something bad is about to happen, it shows some people praying the Lord's Prayer. And uh, whether that's something that right in that moment facing death, the values of the world are kind of less important and mine turns to some heavenly values. Let's, let's jump right in. Um, we see from verse 5 here, chapter 6, prayer should not be an outward display. Genuine prayer flows from the inner parts of our being, which only God sees. Jesus is not saying it's wrong to pray in public, um, but we should consider what our motivation is. What kind of reward are you seeking when you pray? Um, if your prayer is to impress others, you might actually achieve that. Look at that awesome guy. He's, he's great at praying. I love his prayers. And that might be a reward that you get. Good for you. Pretty shallow reward, though, isn't it? And there's some kind of a reward that we might seek, though. I want people to think I'm awesome. Um, but it's a shallow reward. Prayer is truly rewarding when it's about seeking the Father, the reward of relating with God. But prayer is not about impressing God either, is it? 
Sometimes we might be tempted to think like that. Verse 7, um, it's not about using all correct spiritual sounding words, saying the same thing over and over enough times to twist God's arm, to uh, prove something to God. It's not a magic spell, get the things that we want. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? If I just pray hard enough or say the right things, maybe if I knew some of those tricky kind of Bible words, I could twist God's arm a bit more. Ever felt like that? This thing's really important. I've got to say it heaps of times to God. That's kind of an earthly kingdom value, knowing how to convince others so that we can get what we want forming a persuasive sales pitch. That's, that's earthly kingdom. God's heavenly kingdom is not like that. Prayer is not supposed to be a persuasive speech which determines whether God will give us the stuff. That might come as a relief to you. Sometimes you feel like, I'm not good with words. I don't know what to say to God. It doesn't need to feel overwhelming. You don't need fancy words. Don't let your lack of fancy words stop you from praying. In fact, using a bunch of fancy words over and over can actually kind of become meaningless, as we see in verse 7. Most of you know uh, our little guy, Ernie. When he hops in that high chair and he says, Dee, 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 like that, I know exactly what to do. Go and get him a drink. That means drink, right? (laughs) He doesn't have fancy words, but I know what to do. I know what he needs. Do you know the amazing thing? Is that God, it says, what, uh, verse 7 there? God says, he, oh, verse 8. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask. Maybe parents kind of know what their kids know before they ask too, right? So you might think, well, what's the point of, of praying? God already knows. <laughs> we, so he knows what, what we're going to ask or what, what we need. Um, and so it's not about trying to convince God or, you know, inform him of something. It's about something happening here. It's not about me changing God. It's about me opening my heart to him, expressing trust in him. Focusing our reliance on him. So prayer shouldn't be a performance or a sales pitch. Jesus goes on to show us what prayer should be. This is great. He gives us an example. He says, this is how you should pray. And I think when he says, this is how you should pray, he actually means, this is how you should pray. (laughs) And so maybe we should. So verse 9, he starts, Our Father who is in heaven... You might remember um, a few weeks ago, Jono shared a story, great story, where this guy, a soldier who had access to the president because um, he was with the president's son. It's a great picture. You know something beautiful here we see with Jesus? He shows his disciples. We don't just have access to God the Father, but through Jesus we are included into his family. We are actually God's own children. As Jesus says, our father, he's sharing his father with us. Ever thought about that? 
That's a wonder. That's a gracious, beautiful thing. He says, if you're with me, you get to call him father too. Our prayer has a context of sharing in a family relationship. Wasn't this a beautiful meal to share as a family together, as we've reflected? And so we pray with Jesus. We pray alongside our brothers and sisters. This mindset should make a difference to the way that we pray. There's also a reminder here that God's dwelling place is in heaven. Our Father in heaven. We are on earth. He is in heaven. Our Father God is far superior to us. Maybe an important thing to, uh, to note is that he's perfect. He's not like our earthly fathers. If there's some thing that your earthly father may have gotten wrong, that thing is not gotten wrong by our heavenly father. He's not under that curse. He is in heaven. He is perfection. He is the source of life. He is God. When we pray to our father in heaven, it's a meeting between heaven and earth. Amazing things. Let's just think about the value of prayer, how exciting and great that it can be. Next part, hallowed be your name. What's the purpose of a name? It's the way someone's referred to or known by. What a privilege that God has made himself known to us. We don't pray to an impersonal force. We get to call him Father. We also recognize him as Almighty God. We shouldn't get familiar or flippant or disrespectful about that name. Having this emphasis on God's name as part of that first part of our prayer, it should be our very first and highest desire, our goal and purpose in everything, to respect and honour his name, hallowed, holy, recognising him as an object of our worship. This is what we ask that God our Father would be more known to us and to those around us as holy God. As brothers and sisters, let's seek together to honour his name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here Jesus shows us a picture of heaven coming to be with us on earth. This is such a strong theme through the whole Bible. This is something that was set up right from the very beginning. You know something really interesting? Maybe some of you have come across a story in Genesis about a tower that people built. It's an earthly kingdom. Do you know what was wrong with it? It's backwards. It's upside down. They're building a kingdom to reach up to heaven. But God reminds us all the way through that actually he is coming to make his dwelling place with us. And in Revelation we see he is bringing that new city it's from heaven to be with us on earth. And this is the, the approach here. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. And he shows us the difference between these kingdoms. Um, they have different values. The previous chapter, you might like to look at it through the week, chapter 5, Jesus describes some of these kingdom values. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Later in Matthew, he says, whoever takes a lowly position like a child 
is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The way of God's kingdom comes and his will is done not by forcing people and exerting power over others, but through loving and serving and giving and forgiving and being persecuted and being peacemakers. God's kingdom comes by the gospel of grace. It's by God being with us, working in us by his spirit. This is what we should ask for. Sometimes we're tempted to uh, ask God, get me out of here. Take me out of this worldly situation. It's yuck. But God's way is that he comes to be with us in the middle of our suffering and mess in order to share it and take it on himself and bring healing. Jesus is telling us to pray for our world to be healed and restored. That the things God desires will become the things that our world desires, that our values would align with his, that we as his people would submit to his kingship and welcome his presence. God's desire is to dwell with us. We go down to uh, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. This is basically asking for our next meal. Do you know where your next meal is coming from? It's coming from God. (laughs) Whether you realize it or not, every good thing we have comes from God. In the Old Testament book, uh, Deuteronomy, God warns his people, you might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Our world loves the self-made millionaire stories. I think we all like to be kind of feeling like we're being successful and moving ahead. We might even feel the pressure to earn money, to have all the stuff that the world says we need to have. We're trusting in our own efforts and wisdom and stuff that we've invested in does not guarantee anything. In fact, it maybe it guarantees stress and heartache and grief. Material things we strive for and look to as fulfillment or security or the answer to our problems can just so easily disappear and disappoint. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. You see, those value things. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Down verse 31, he says, Don't worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans or the world, worldly kingdoms, that's what they run after. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And hear it again. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all those things will be given to you as well. It's not like we have no regard to the future or to material needs. But we don't need to worry. We don't need to chase. Don't need to depend on ourselves for these things. True wisdom says to trust God for each day. And we can pray about that. He wants to hear us asking. It's an interesting thought. What material things do you need today which will help you to honour his name and have his kingdom come and his will done? What might you require for those One last point on that thing is, again, reminding about our daily bread. We share in these needs together, and we can be mindful of each other's needs. We share with daily bread, and perhaps this is the biggest need, the need of forgiveness. Have you ever felt a sense of despair when it comes? It seems as though someone's not willing to forgive you. 
something you've done. Sometimes guilt can weigh you down so much, it takes away our hope in life. Word here in verse 12 is debts. It refers to obligations, something we owe. Again, we see this value term. Earthly kingdoms like to keep track of debts, living up to certain obligations, holding people to account. Do you think we have some kind of obligation towards God? (laughs) I think that's completely where our obligation is. Hey, what do I owe God? Everything. It says here, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven others. Again, there's this contrast of kingdoms, two different kind of approaches. You're either stuck in an earthly kingdom mindset, wanting to hold everyone to account, in which case, how can you genuinely ask for forgiveness for yourself? Or you empty yourself of all account keeping and records of wrongs, humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. Kind of, we like to mash them up together and hold people for account that we want to get forgiven and Jesus even offers a little footnote after the prayer we read there, didn't we? This challenging implication that if you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Is he suggesting there's a way to earn our forgiveness by forgiving others? No, no. I mean, that's, that sort of doesn't make sense, right? Um, to earn forgiveness of debt... You either pay the debt or you're forgiven it, right? Yeah. So I think he's pointing out that a person who genuinely, humbly asks for forgiveness could not logically at the same time hold a grudge with someone else. You either live by the way of grace or by the way of holding onto accounts. This is the gospel. God, through Jesus' sacrificial death, emptied himself to clear our debt of obligation and our debt of sin In love, he gave up everything to restore our relationship. If you haven't experienced that forgiveness from God, today is the day to ask him in prayer. Give up trying to pay that debt. Receive God's free gift of life in Jesus. We're almost at the end here. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All around us, there is temptation to drift the temptation to lose sight of the value of God's kingdom. As we live on earth, we look to our heavenly Father to guide us through, keep us from getting caught into those temptations. When we have victory over these things that seek to do harm to us, it's because God is the one who delivers us. We can ask him daily to keep our focus on him As a family, brothers and sisters, we can ask him to deliver us as a group of people here. Keep us from temptation. Now, there could be some epic sinful things that we're tempted to. It could be some really awesome, cool things that are innocent, but they just distract us and they they cause us to drift. We drift. Over the past week or past year, you might have found yourself drifting. I know what it's like. We do, don't we? We are graciously reminded in Jesus there is the true treasure. No matter what is happening in the world, 
in Jesus, we can meet with heaven. Find that true value there. Find that life there. So I thought as we finish, maybe we can uh, say this prayer again together. Our Father, right? Together. And, uh, and we just really reflect on these things. So maybe uh, if we, we kind of... Who's memorised that? Some of you might have memorised And you guys, you get kids filled out the little spaces there. Some of you guys know the answers to that, hey, Jack? Yeah? Good gear, man. Let's pour out our hearts to God. It is reward to know him, hey? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.